Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy Uncle Peter. He will say words at you. Surgical masks, as you know, have probably been common in Japan for a while. Uh, you've seen images of lots of Asian people. Uh, usually it's hay fever season. They wear a mask to protect themselves from the pollen in the air and pollutants and stuff like that. And, you know, in China and other more polluted places, they wear face masks to protect themselves from the pollutants in the air. Uh, it turns out a lot of the girls I know wear face masks because they don't want to put on makeup when they go outside sometimes, which is an interesting little side note. They can just cover up their face and they don't actually have to do their makeup for whatever activity they're doing while they're wearing the face mask. Recently, Korean pop stars and Japanese pop stars have taken to wearing black face masks. And when I flew back from Canada, there was this kid, he was really cool. He had one on and I had to admit it looked pretty cool. I couldn't pull it off. Just the contrast between my incredibly white skin and the black mask would look like I had a big black hole in my face. But of course, most things don't look good on me. That's why I do a podcast. Recently, other colors have taken hold, which is sort of something sort of makes sense. They put patterns on it. They try to make it look nice. I saw a woman walking down the street and what she was wearing was a flesh-colored face mask, surgical mask. And it was the scene from all those movies where someone has no face, where someone has their mouth sealed shut because it was almost identical to her actual skin tone, which was the shocking part. From a distance, I could see eyes. I couldn't really see a nose and there was no mouth. So... Uh, if you remember in The Matrix, they sealed his mouth in one of the scenes. There's a lot of horror movies where to really scare people, they turn around really slowly and they have no mouth or no nose, sometimes no eyes. This is a disturbing trend. I'm wondering if it's going to take off. Just if you come to Japan and probably other Asian countries, this might be something you need to mentally prepare yourself for. You might start seeing people who do not have mouths. So it's Thursday and Podcast came out and oh my God, my life is in anarchy because things aren't as they were before. Uh, I do another podcast called Ninja News Japan. It is a news-based podcast and I do all my recording on Tuesday. So it made more sense to release the news podcast on the day I actually do my research and note-taking and whatnot and the recording. So the news is as fresh as news can be. Uh, if you're interested in news in Japan and my take on it, you are welcome to listen to that podcast. Uh, this just means that this podcast was moved to Thursday, but because nothing here is meant to be particularly topical, because you could go back and listen to the whole library of episodes that are on the internet. I think there's like 150 up right now. Since it doesn't matter if you listen to them now or next year or when they come out or a year later... It didn't really matter what day of the week. So since one took sort of had a priority, I decided to switch the release dates. So Ninja News Japan is now released on Tuesdays. The Lost of Podcast will now be released on Thursdays. 
most of you probably don't notice because if you're like me, you update your podcasting app or whatever once a week. But if you were wondering, this is on purpose. That's really all I'm trying to say. So Quora questions, I've started to do the same question over and over again. So I'm putting a bit of a kibosh on a lot of the fighting questions, unless they are specific to something I could actually answer or hopefully make into something that's entertaining. Uh, the last question that kind of set me over the top was, would Mike Tyson, Brock Lamar, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Bruce Lee win in a fight against a silverback gorilla? First of all, Arnold Schwarzenegger is not a fighter. I'm sorry to have to tell you that. He was a weightlifter. He was a really good one. Uh, and then my answer is always the same. The silverback gorilla would win. And it's become less interesting. Uh, there was another question the same week. Who would win in a fight, a black belt in ninjutsu or jujitsu? Uh, the real answer is the guy who is better. Um, it doesn't really... I have a very strong belief that the thing they study is less important than the person who's studying it because the person who's studying it, if they put a lot of work into it, will be good and will be able to use their skills and tools to the best of the ability. I do have a thing that ninjutsu isn't necessarily real. Uh, the whole art of assassination idea is kind of a bit of a comic book. There were ninjas. I mean, I'm not actually saying there wasn't ninjas and they practiced martial arts, but they just practiced martial arts of their day. Of course, a lot of it's been fictionalized and, and aggrandized. I was in Canada and we had a judo club and we rented out space. So like yoga people would come in and, and uh, other martial arts would use it on different days when we weren't doing judo. So it was a way we could uh, make up some money for rent for the space. And for a while, a ninja ninjutsu class was held and we of course wanted to see what they were doing but it was secret so they closed the door and wouldn't let us see and then eventually the ninjas started getting sort of uppity about how their they were better than the guys who did judo now the thing is uh, this was a competitive club so there were some really really tough dudes there so we decided to have a little informal match and the ninja guy went into a weird stance and then the judo guy walked up to him. He went for a move. The ninja guy went for a move. I think it was some kind of like uh, kick. Basically, the guy in our class caught it and then threw him down. And the guy had never done a break fall before, so he didn't fall properly. And that winded him. And that was basically the end of the fight. He could have gone and started doing ground and pound. But that was clear that the fight was over. The ninja club disbanded relatively soon after that. And I think this is one of the things why you don't see a lot of ninjutsu clubs. Also, they do have to remain secret because if you know where the ninja club is, it's not really doing its job right. I did find after they had left that in the bathroom, there had been some graffiti and it said judo sucks, which I guess was the final stab in the back because I didn't see that coming. I mean, this was true ninjutsu because I did not see the attack and it, it really, it got me. I, I was not ready for it. But if you want to hear about fighting questions, can A beat B, uh, you'll have to actually go back in the library and listen to those because I probably won't be doing those Quora questions again unless it's very specific to something that's interesting. I'm wondering why the question asker, though, who would win in a fight, a black belt in ninjutsu or jujitsu? I, I actually don't know if ninjutsu has belts, to be honest, if it has that, the same system because, again, it's not real. Um, but... I'm wondering why they chose those two specific arts because jujitsu is a very real thing. Like we, they have Brazilian jujitsu competitions and stuff, and those guys are all—it's a tough sport. I mean, no, don't take anything away from them. I'm wondering if they did it because they both have jitsu in the name. They chose them because they have similar names. I don't know the answer, and quite frankly, I—I I don't really care. If you would like to hear my opinion on A versus B, martial art versus martial art, or something like that, you will have to now send in a question. 
I just, I'm not going to do it from Quora because the Quora questions, uh, they just go on and on and on. And it's, it's, there's a lot of repeat questions and I don't want to get us into a rut. I know that's not going to be very interesting to listen to. But if you would like something specific answered, you can send a message to Velocipeter on Twitter. You can send an email to velocipodcast.gmail.com. I would be happy to answer your questions. If you ask me a question seriously or sarcastically, I will take it just as seriously either way uh, because it's kind of what I do. Quora question, what are the fundamental laws about human nature? And I think one that we don't want to admit as often as we should is that some people are dicks. I mean, that is just the law of statistics and numbers in our world is that X amount of people in the world at any one time are dicks, are kind of assholes, are not people you should be spending your time with. You're not people you should waste your time on. The other laws of human nature is that morality is not really a thing. I think morality is mutable. It changes. One day I might do the right thing for the right reason and the next day because circumstances have changed, I will not do that thing because my thinking has changed or the circumstances have changed. And that is just the reality. So honestly, there are not going to be many people in the world you can count on. Someone you think would help you one day, they're not going to be there tomorrow. So some people are dicks and you can't trust other people and you can only rely on yourself. And that's really bit, it's a bit of a downer. But it's the kind of thing if you go in that way, the people who are kind and loyal and honest and good, knowing they're there will make your life a lot better. Quora question, how do I find a Japanese girl? I think that's a weird question because you can find a lot of them in Japan. Uh, I don't know where the person who asked this question is, but clearly they got some issue. They they probably have fetishized Japanese girls. That's probably the first problem. And so what they're really asking is where can I find my fetish? And that's a harder thing to answer because the fetish you have probably for the most part is not real. If you are looking for Japanese girls specifically in your area, you would probably have to go to where Japanese girls would go. And they would go to the same places as a lot of girls. Uh, if they're outgoing types, you might go to clubs or bars, or you might find some kind of club that would appeal to Japanese girls and go there. Uh, you might spend time at exchange programs. You could volunteer. You could meet some Japanese girls. That's a bit predatory, though, because if you're going to volunteer at an exchange program or something in the attempt to get a girlfriend, which I think is the underlying message of this, unless he's a kidnapper, which is even worse. So don't do that. You're not really there for the right reason. And you might accidentally find a Korean girl. And what are you going to do then? Now, now, now things have just gone all crazy wonky. The question appealed to me primarily because it's so obvious what the answer is. A, the girl you're asking for doesn't exist. But B, it also kind of makes it sound like a Japanese girl is a, is a mythical creature, like a unicorn, like they're very hard to find. I've found several today just by going outside because I'm in Japan. Uh, you could go to popular tourist places, places that are popular with Japanese tourists, and and you could find some. That doesn't mean they're going to like you. That's the secondary part, maybe is the more important part of this question. Because you find a Japanese girl doesn't mean the Japanese girl is going to like you. So really, and I think I've said this many times, the work that needs to be done isn't on the Japanese girl or finding the Japanese girl. You need to do work on yourself to make yourself appealing to the Japanese girl, and then you will be attractive, and then they will probably come to you.
which is a concept that I think has fallen out of favor with society. The idea that you improve yourself to make yourself attractive. And again, the definition of attractive is that things come to you. You don't go after them. So creepy, predatorial, and also unrealistic is the interesting part of this question. How do I find a Japanese girl? Uh, we could also create a Japanese girl finder like a metal detector and see if you could find one that way. Part two of Monster Mayhem, Japan monster, Japanese monsters, the things that go bump in the night. And while I was looking at Japanese monsters, I found another sort of trend or, or style of monster. So last time I told you about mistreated objects that become not necessarily haunted or poltergeist, but they kind of just imbue themselves with the spirit because they've been mistreated and they're so angry. So there's angry spirits residing. It was like a, a wash towel and some sandals and stuff. We have several floating heads. So floating heads seems to be a relatively common theme when it comes to Japanese folklore and monsters. So the first one is Tsurube Otoshi, which actually to me sounds like a judo throw because Otoshi is part of a, of a throw. Because Otoshi means drop and we use a lot of drop throws in judo. But that's irrelevant. That's just something as soon as I read the name, it kind of appealed to me all of a sudden. This is a disembodied head that will drop from a tree and crush people and then eat them. So it's a head that hangs out a tree. So drop bears are an Australian joke. They, they talk about drop bears and, and they'll drop out of trees and attack you, um, which of course is not a real thing. They have this, the joke they sell tourists these hats with a fork on the top because that'll stop the drop bear from, from dropping on top of them. So th but because of this mythology in Japan, I thought, oh, maybe they actually would be more likely to believe it, that they could equate these stories, that the drop bear and the tsurube otoshi is, is sort of a similar phenomenon and then is more likely to be believed, which would be an interesting thing. But that's, that's irrelevant. That's all supposition. There is no explanation as to why the disembodied head is there, how it gets into the tree in the first place, or why it drops out and then crushes you and eats you. But it seems like just an angry floating head, an angry spirit. And this is a common theme throughout the Japanese monsters. The disembodied head with no body that floats or jumps or hops or things like that is common. And again, if you watch anime, you watch movies and stuff, you might actually see some disembodied heads. It clearly is a throwback to a common thing in Japanese folklore. The next floating head is Nuke Kubi. So Kubi is neck. It's a kind of vampire. But what happens is, so during the daytime, it's a person. So it's like a twilight vampire that can go out in the sun. Uh, they're not sparkly though. So they're vampires. So what they actually want to do is get close to you and bite you and suck your blood and drink your blood. Ooh, that's scary. At night though, their heads actually detach and fly around. So it doesn't say wings or anything. So again, these are just disembodied floating heads. So this is how they get around. Uh, Western concept of the vampires, they turn into a bat and that's how they fly. The Japanese Nukekubi is a head that just separates from the body. So the body just remains behind. So I would bet you have to make sure the body is safe, uh, maybe do it from your house and then uh, leave a window open because you got to be able to get out. You got to be able to get back in. You got to be careful that window doesn't get closed because uh, again, they don't really explain what happens if the head remains separate when the sun comes up. That might have nothing to do with it. It might just be that they do their attacks at night because under the cover of darkness. Then we get to Okubi. So again, now this is another floating head. It's not a vampire though. This is a flying head. It can be seen in the sky or in barns, and it's a sign of impending disaster, like an earthquake or a typhoon. 
So earthquakes and typhoons have plagued Japan for centuries, and they decided that the vision of a floating head would be an omen of sorts, of something bad that was going to happen in the future. So you could see, like I come into a barn, maybe an owl is up in the corner or a bird or something. And then of course, because I've heard about Tsurube Otoshi or Nukekubi, I now have the image of the floating head in the back of my mind all the time. And then I see one up in the corner in the barn. Oh my God, I've seen a floating head. It's not malicious though, because it doesn't attack you. It doesn't do anything. It just is an omen. The question I have that I wasn't really able to get an answer to was how do you tell the difference? Tsurube Otoshi from the beginning is either really big or really heavy. And I think it's a really big head because they have some of the floating heads are the size of bodies, of human bodies. And the only when it drops out of the tree, that's how it could crush you. Nuke Kubi has to be a normal size head because it actually fits on a normal size body. That's their camouflage during the day. Okubi, O usually means big. O means big. So I, but it also is used for like politeness and grandness. It also can be used to be sort of more polite or to make something seem sort of more grand. So that's not necessarily talking about the size. It might be talking about reputation. But Okubi is not a malicious spirit compared to the other two. It is just an omen. It's just this thing you see and then you have to prepare for something bad happening. Now that was it for floating heads. But if you're walking around and you see a giant head, either there's going to be a typhoon or an earthquake, or it's going to try to suck your blood, or it might just jump down and crush you to death and then eat you afterwards. So basic rule, should you see disembodied heads, just, just generally be careful around them. That's, that's the message for today's Velocipodcast. podcast. This week, it has been revealed that Trump said, uh, when we're dealing with hurricanes, hurricanes that hit in North America, would it not be a good idea to drop a nuclear bomb in the eye of the hurricane to dispel it? And this would destroy the hurricane. Most people laugh at the idea, as did I. My friends brought this up. I started laughing along with it. This is one of the dumbest things I had ever heard. Clearly, wind will not be affected by a nuclear blast in any real way. It will probably disrupt the weather system, but you still have wind afterwards. In fact, uh, one of the fallout aspects of a nuclear explosion is wind. So you might actually intensify the hurricane as a result. But what would happen though is the winds would carry, and again, because they're already strong sort of trade winds, this is why these hurricanes start, it would carry the radioactive fallout over a great distance. So basically, if you nuke a hurricane, what you create is a nuclear hurricane, which is not the best idea. So I was laughing at it with my friends, and there were two thoughts that I had. One, I should check out where this idea came from. So it turns out this is not a Trump idea. This is an idea that was proposed back in the 50s and has resurfaced almost every decade since, that someone goes, hey, nuclear weapons are very disruptive to weather patterns. When we have negative weather patterns, why don't we drop a nuke on it? And that will actually solve the problem of this negative weather pattern. This does show, again, sort of a lack of understanding of the power of a nuclear weapon. Back in the 50s, again, they didn't really have a sense this was a new technology. So it actually kind of makes sense. We have this amazing disruptive power. Perhaps we could use it to control the weather in an in a imprecise way, to say the least. So really, it wasn't the worst idea until it was thought through, which surprised me because it has come up again and again. It's not a new idea. It's not an original idea. Perhaps Trump does not have many original ideas. And the second thought I had was, 
the poor person who has to explain it to him, because this is someone's job, is to explain to Trump why his ideas are bad or why they won't work. And you know he's not the kind of man who listens. So this is, in my image, the idea of a teacher talking to a student or explaining something really fundamental to a student who A, doesn't listen and B, doesn't care. So they've said something stupid in a class and then you have to explain to them why that's not true despite the fact that everyone around them who has listened in class or who has paid attention knowing and understanding the reality of what they said is really stupid. And then I got a perfect mental picture of a moment and it was President Trump sitting in the Oval Office at his desk and he's just said, why can't we just nuke hurricanes? He's actually pulled out nuclear weapons multiple times in his presidency as a viable solution to almost every problem that's come up. So that's something to be very aware of, is that given the opportunity, America would have already used nukes if people weren't reining this man in. It also makes it really good that he doesn't actually just have a button. That's not like a literal thing, because he would have pressed it by now. So the mental picture I have is he's made his statement. The person whose job it is to explain it to him has to do their job. And that to me would imply a very pointed sigh because you've had to do this before. And as long as you remain in this position, you're going to have to do it again. I've done this sigh. And I'm sure lots of people who are listening understand this sigh. The <sighs> Mr. President. And so you're trying to not be rude because you have to deal with this person. If you are in a situation where you deal with idiots or morons on a regular basis, you have to deal with them. And there is no benefit to you confronting them or fighting them because they do not understand logic or reason. And so you are stealing yourself. I think that's the sigh is you're preparing yourself to explain something that you shouldn't have to explain, but you know you're going to have to explain it. And that is what needs to be done. It is very much the frustration of talking to a child. It has to be. Because anytime you've heard him speak, again, the thing that gets me is that no one in the American press pushes him for specifics. I know they have on occasion asked for details and he just refuses to do it. He just says the greatest, the best, it'll work out. We'll see what happens. It's clear that the man doesn't understand that specifics are important. So why can't I do this? You can't do it. That's probably all the explanation he needs as his brain just moves on to the next thing. There is an original idea that President Trump has had. And I don't know where he got it from. I tried to look into it and I couldn't find any similar source. Because the thing, the stupid thing he said about the nuclear bomb, at least it's been said before by scientists who, again, maybe truly didn't understand 100% of what they were talking about because it was new technology and then got picked up by groups that who weren't scientists. Because science, of course, has dismissed it after they did some research. But then people heard that this idea exists and now they accept it as fact or possibility or true, uh, much like vaccines. President Trump does believe that the human body contains a finite amount of energy, which is why he doesn't exercise. So he believes that you use all your, you have X amount of energy in your life. You don't know how much that is. And then if you use all your energy, you die. So you should spend your time conserving energy, which makes me sad for the women who've had sex with him. And that's not to say that porn has taught us any sort of reality, but I think a lot of the things you see in pornography are based in factual thinking, just like most fiction, because pornography is fiction. I'm sorry if I've you know ruined anyone's life. In pornography, these sexual relations are done with intense vigor. 
Uh, jackhammering is a term I've heard before, and I think that's appropriate. It's not really pleasurable probably for either party. Uh, I'm sure there's a minority that is on board with this. But for the most part, that is a visual aid to a very specific problem. But I think in real life, a certain amount of enthusiasm, not jackhammering per se, but a certain amount of enthusiasm is appreciated or expected from a kind and generous lover. So if you are the type of person who believes that you have a finite amount of energy, it means you do not want to use the energy you have because you want to live as long as possible, which means during your sexual relations, you are doing as little as humanly possible, which means you do not care about your partner. You do not care about pleasuring them. So weirdly, the fact that President Trump has said he wants to drop nuclear weapons into hurricanes has led me to the conclusion that President Trump is not very good in bed. And that is some podcast thinking. You probably are saying to yourself, yeah, in a way I already knew that, but now we have some forms of thinking that he's demonstrated on multiple occasions that almost necessarily take us to a point where this is factually correct. President Trump is bad in bed. Before it was something you probably assumed. Now it is fact. The loss of the loss of the loss of the loss of the podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, or go to VelociPeter.com slash podcast never done a break ball break fall before flout it to us to a, 